Hello and welcome to The Nightcap. Is that our third? Fourth? Fourth catch-up already of this year. fourth, yeah. January does last forever though. I know I said that last week, but we're still in January. It's yeah. another week of it. Jesus Christ. Drags. I know, it does. Um, yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks so much for all your correspondence, getting in touch. Uh, all the reviews. We had more reviews, which were great. We had one from Chanvi Food saying, made a pasta dish. Uh, listen for a bit. <laughs> Noodle not worth a listen for a bit. I like Paul and Simon a bit. Dan in a chippy, listen for a bit. Thanks so much for these. Keep them coming. Rate and review us. It really helps us get up the charts. What made me laugh the other day is actually I saw Kev, my father-in-law, mm. and uh, he <laughs> he hasn't listened yet to any of the new ones this year, but he follows us on socials and stuff. And he went, yeah, no, I saw the reviews about listening for a bit, like. But almost like, is everything going okay? Because <laughs> from his perspective, he was like, oh, is it not going down as yeah, well as you hope? So many people <laughs> yeah. saying, listen for a bit. I was like, no, 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 it's an in-joke. He was like, oh, good, because I was a bit nervous that you know, it's, it's a bit shit. Uh, I was like, no, no. no, no. Paul and Simon, nothing without guests. Yeah. I only listen for a bit. Yeah. Uh, so good. But yeah, keep them coming. Uh, it really, really helps us um, go up the charts. Uh, so yeah, what's going on? What's going on this time of year? Well, um, one of the biggest things that's happened in the last week, a uh, massive article in the BBC, I think it was Jasmine Anderson that wrote an article and then it got picked up by The Guardian about chefs working in elite kitchens facing extreme suffering. This is a study with 62 chefs that have worked in Michelin restaurants over the last couple of years, producing award-winning food, obviously. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very neg- a negative. It was a very like... It felt like a throwback article to how this industry it has did. been, actually. It's, what was you, what did you make of it? It felt like a sucker punch out of nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah that's a good way of putting it. So hang on, fucking what are you, what are you doing that for? <laughs> yeah. like, What's like the agenda? You're yeah. in a bar and there's a fight going on. You're stood watching, someone just smacks you. Like, <laughs> hang on, we didn't fucking do anything to deserve that. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, we're an easy target, this industry. And by its own doing, yeah. and by a lot of issues that we've had, it, it harks back to the... The years um, of it being such a brutal industry. Mm. Um, and it, it, like I said, this just come out of nowhere. I saw it on the BBC. Someone sent it to me, so I sent it to you. And then, then it was in The Guardian a few days later and it was talking about the same thing. And I just I just think it's incredibly unfair. Like this industry, yeah, there's always, always going to be a few dodgy places. But there's been so much focus on it, so much work done. Even the things that are ridiculously challenging, mm. they're, they're, the, they're the only things we get moaned about now. So hours mm. is something that everyone's trying to work on and bring down. And in the best place it ever has been, the treatment is so much better across the board. Yeah. Um, the job opportunities are so much better. You generally can't treat staff like that because they can walk into another job. Um, and so many places need people. They don't even vet them as much as they would now. So getting a job is a lot easier than it used to be. Um, the hours are better. The pay is better. You've only got to look at, you know, Aaron Mullis, who used to go on this mm. body. He's a yeah. recruitment agent recruitment now. Agent, you just yeah. look at his story and some of the wages he's posting yeah. and some of the jobs and the longevity of people in jobs. So across the board, I think the industry is so, so much better than when I started. Mm. Um, and I don't think the people who write these articles understand the damage it does because mm. people are still cling on to the history of how things were and that you know that horrible the horrible treatment yeah. and they heart back to there and they don't understand the work that's gone on mm-hmm. it's incredibly damaging and really unfair for a lot of us that have been trying to make a difference that's a really good point because like i was reading the the um guardian version of that article and in there they had some excerpts from like claire smith who admitted to like screaming in people's faces in the mid 2000s 
But then I was like, well, hang on, actually, like, with, <laughs> makes me sound fucking old, but like, suddenly that's, it was 2008, so that's 15 years 15 ago. Years so ago, we're referencing yeah. things that have evolved. Even she said, I mean, obviously, miles away from work. Like, she's yeah. like, I have a really calm, lovely environment at work. Like, yeah. it's less stressful. No one shouts. That's better. We've evolved. That was 15 years ago. And I think but you were still writing articles about things that happened then. Yeah, most like of the things in odd. that article, like the Guardian one, some of them I call absolute bullshit, right? Really? I'll go through them. They're Gone. fucking pure lies <laughs> and some of them they are i think there's a lot to be said for chefs like claire smith and when we had peter uh, sanchez on the podcast as well yeah just saying look oh, yeah, yeah remember that story. i was taught this way i fucked up i was out of order mm-hmm. and i've changed yeah you know they've 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 improved themselves they've 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 moved forward and management styles changed and like you say claire that was 15 years ago and she's a different mm. person different chef different leader yeah how long can we hold people accountable for that sort of like the uh the chefing industry equivalent of like comedians apologizing for 20 year old tweets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was a joke I wrote 20 years ago at the time it was relevant or at the time it was, you know, it, the context has been missed now and now it's, it's and now exactly. we've moved on and it's changed and I can't keep apologizing for all those you, things. You like, like, like Kevin Hart got sacked off the Oscars for, uh, it was a, I think it was a homophobic tweet. They'd apologized for at the time. And then 10 odd years later, I can't remember exactly. Yeah. They want him to apologize, apologize again. again. So, well, that mm. devalues my other apology. Yeah. That devalues everything I've learned and all my growth. Yes, exactly. The yeah. same as same as these chefs. And yeah, but all the headline is, is you've not apologized again, therefore you're homophobic. And that's not, they're not mutually exclusive exactly. things. Both can be true. It was a joke. I've apologized. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. That, that's fine. That's you, you wouldn't be who you are now without that growth and learning. We all grow. We all yeah. fuck up. Yeah, we all yeah. grow and we all learn. Me included. You know, I've made mistakes as a leader in this in, industry, but I've learned from them. I've, you know, held my pride back, held my hands up and said, okay, I was, I was wrong there. Mm-hmm. Or I've learned through a different means. And I wouldn't be the, the leader I am now without going through that process. Yeah. Not saying that um, it was right, the things I've done or when I've been, you know, verbally horrible to people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've learned, I've grown, and I teach a better way with my team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Laura, you know, she, you know, she's led by me. She's learned a lot from me. She's very assertive, and she's a good leader, but she's not aggressive. Sure. You know, she's, she's learned a different way from me, from my learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just, I just think it's a bit pointless. They went through a couple of things that, in that Guardian article, a couple of horrible things that have happened in the industry. Someone having, I think it was a hot fat board down there. Oh, the trousers, butter, wasn't it? Yeah, which that is was awful. dug up. Yeah. Awful. But, I mean, that was a few years ago. It was dealt with at the time. And it was mm. an isolated incident. It was big news at the time. It was. And you don't hear of much else in between it. So no, they're sure. just like, oh, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. We're hanging out the dirty laundry, like digging up the dirt, Yeah, aren't we? again. Yeah. And that was horrific. Mm. But why do we need to bring it up in this article saying it's now. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's the other one about the chef who he got promoted because he was deemed to have survived a chef holding a knife to his face, screaming, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Because he got through that, he was supposedly promoted because he felt like it was like a almost a badge of honour. And that was another theme from this whole thing is that even though 62 chefs were interviewed apparently for this article, a lot of them sort of were almost not proud but they saw it quote as a medal of honor to have yeah. got through those hurdles i don't know what I don't yeah know i mean i mean 62 chefs that's not how you do fucking research is it <laughs> small 62 sample size. chefs like how have they picked these chefs what areas of the industry in um, i felt like that was a little bit misleading because it said something like 62 michelin chefs but i no, they're just michelin working no, no 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 they'll just be working in that could be they've michelin some, guide restaurants or have yeah. worked in them well, for a week a bit or, of experience in a michelin star or michelin yeah. rated 
So yeah, it's very misleading. Mm. The one that is absolute fucking 100% bullshit that I'll call, it's in the main article as well about um, where it says deep fried, right? They were saying that they panade their hands, so flour, egg and breadcrumb their hands. See who could keep it in the fryer for longest? That is 100% not true. And I'll fucking die on that hill as well. Like... That's crazy. If, say you panade your fucking hand, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this, that's... You put the end of your fingers in. Now you're just going to pull it straight out. Yeah, it's yeah, hot yeah. straight away. You yeah. cannot get your whole hand in there and have a competition no, to no keep chance. it in. No. Nobody, nobody is what, what temperature are we talking in that, that oil? Like as that. a competition, you're a twat. Of course, yeah. You're the twat. <laughs> and you're being led on by twats. Yes, um, yeah. Well, generally about 180, 170, 180 of deep fat fryer. Fucking crazy. Like, it's molten lava. It's not a protection layer that panade. No, that's why we put deep fry fruit. It yeah, it's so fucking Which hot. Warm. But as soon as your fingertips go in, you're pulling it out by yeah, natural yeah. reaction. You ain't getting your hand in there. Yeah. And then it didn't say about people having it forced. They said they were doing it to see who could do it the longest, didn't they? Which I've never seen anything of the like or heard no, anything of the like. That. All the people I know in this industry, it's fucking bullshit. And if there's someone holding someone's hand in, that's GBH. Mm, and again, is, yeah. you don't it's hear a- of that happening. That is very, very rare. It goes mm. on in a lot of industries like that level of ridiculousness but yeah. you know again it's not it's not common nah, so yeah just writing stuff like that is so damaging because people will read it and be like fuck well, I think it's that's, horrible because it's so shocking and like digging up these horrific stories that I suppose is the the clickbaity element of this article why people would read on because it's like yeah. almost filth after filth of oh my god this happened to a guy this happened to a woman this mm. so I guess that's why I, that's why the article got written which is sort of they're trying to base it on evidence of 62 chefs. I mean, it's always been notoriously a hard industry to work in compared to other industries. Going back to the hours thing, though, like, yeah, it's got better clearly. And especially at, like, an elite level, you're shut for longer in a week. Generally so you get more speaking, days yeah. off. And around big holidays, that's changed immensely. You know, shoot, loads of top places shut for, like, two week, three weeks around Christmas. You get that whole time yeah, off. Like, yeah, loads of places. Like, yeah, like we did, like, this model isn't unique to us. It, no, no, you know, no, we've, not we've seen it be successful for everyone else and, mm-hmm. you know, staff retention is all because of that. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was started cooking, what, 24 years ago, it was unheard of to mm-hmm. have Christmas off and, you know, December, you work like a dog and you just had to and, and then January, everyone's taking holiday yeah. and catching up so you're still working hard yeah. even though it's quiet. Exactly. If you're not on holiday, so you're expected to, you work five days be expected to do that sixth day yeah and you were a pussy if you didn't yeah but that's that's like it's not that that's even frowned upon that's like weird attitude to hold now Mm. you know you stand out in a kitchen if you give it the oh you're a pussy you won't overwork yeah yeah, you get called out on it or you whereas that was common it's not now it's really not i can speak from experience whereas this journalist it's just clickbait yeah it is clickbait. Mm-hmm. Um, I was considering, I don't know how to articulate the email, just emailing the journalist, just to contact him to say, do you realise the damage that this does? Mm. How about writing something counter uh, active to this about yeah. everything that has been done positive in the industry and speaking to actual people that are proud to say what they've done, the differences a lot yeah. of us have made. Absolutely. They make nods to that. I think you're right. A whole other piece would be really fair to see. Yeah. They make nods to that at the end about like more women in the industry and stuff and how a positive impact that could have on kitchens and that bullying environment, which is technic- um, traditionally male-dominated. Yeah. But they don't really go into it. D- no, detail. they don't. And you've got to get to the end of it. You see the, you know, you see the photos in it and it's like, it's photos from films. 
like which yeah. is a great film Stephen graham fucking fantastic actor yeah and have you seen um boom yeah um yeah yeah what's it called boiling point boiling point yeah yeah brilliant and they reference that a lot but if you look at that and the depths of it it's there's a lot of artistic license like everything that happens in that film i've seen happen yeah not in one night yeah sure it's yeah of over, course not over a career yeah, and yeah, yeah you've met every country customer that's in it and you there's no it's hard work it's intense it more represents the pressure that you put on yourself in take on there's no like you know physical bullying and deep frying of hands and nah, it's not nah. celebrating any of it it makes it murky yeah and it shows what it used to be like yeah, this that's isn't true, a, yeah. look how amazing this is let's all battery chuffer it's yeah. not that they're not romanticizing mm-hmm. the industry and that That's part so yeah also it's, a, it's not an excuse but i suppose what is you know not talked about enough really in in terms of the context of why people act up is that it is very different to a lot of jobs in terms of its pressure and its immediacy and the the l- lack of margin for error and the mm. you know that that push and that you've got to get it out we've got to do this we've got you know it's bloody intense and it's and it is longer hours on the days you do work but there will be no getting away from that that, yeah. that can't ever change yeah exactly. the, the long nights and the fully booked restaurant that's part of the gig yeah so so the pressure will get to people at times it and will. It's we see be. it on football pitches in the sporting arena all the time where people shout like people talk to the ref like crap and stuff like this and all those you know that's pressured jobs we it can get under our skin. That's life, isn't yeah. it? A bit. You've got to take a bit of it. In the be best okay of the best that. of any industry, there's going to be pressure. Yeah. Because if there wasn't, everybody would be the best of the best. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. In any industry, it's just, exactly. it's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but like one thing, also like going back to uh, boiling point. One thing it, it highlighted for me when I, I watched it a couple of times. I sat there the first time, and I genuinely felt anxious. My heart rate went up, Ooh. and. I think because oh, the, the way it was filmed, it yeah. was all one shot. Yeah, that was clever, wasn't you it? You were in it. I mean, yeah. even if you never worked in the industry, you were in it. But for me, there was just this real fucking anxiety throughout the whole film that yeah. was, uh, it was just shows how good the directing was. And, yeah. um, but what it also it. highlighted is like some of the customers, which we, you know, everyone in this industry has met every single one of those customers mm. multiple times. Um, and what it what it highlights is they, these sometimes these expectations and this um, just how these customers act. Yet they'll be the first to say you shouldn't be working the chefs that long. You shouldn't be putting that much pressure. Yeah, on them. so true. But you can't have it both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know really I mean? good point. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, you can't be saying, look, they've got to do thirty hours. Mm. They've got to be doing, um, yeah. you know, working these nicer shifts, more she- more chefs, better environments. Oh, but I don't want to pay that. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to pay what it needs to to make you be able to deliver that to your team. And on top of that, this better be because of the accolades, the best risotto I've ever tasted in my life. And yeah. I'm already expecting that before I sit down. Like and that. I'm going to review you. Oh, and man. I'm going to tell you, it's almost like, yeah. you know, I want my slaves to be better treated, but they're yeah. still my slaves. Yeah, yeah, so true. <laughs> it's a real entitlement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all this chat, I'm like, oh, thank God I don't work in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this sounds rubbish. <laughs> yeah. It does, you know, it's, but it's changing. It's, so it's changed for the better. much better. Yeah, yeah. But we are an easy target, and that is our yeah. own doing, a lot of... Yeah, you're you making, up, making up for history. Exactly. Thing, yeah. But I, th- I think the time has come to... You know, really sort of 
push the positives because I mean I don't fully agree with what they said about more women in the industry we need more people in the industry mm. you know it's not just about let's get more women we need more people the yeah. right people whatever they are however think, they look I think you said last week or the week before that it's it's different now how people don't just turn up here you know 180 Michelin star restaurants in the UK that's not many when you think about it geographically mm. Back in the day, you just have people dropping in every so often with a CV, just wanting to be yeah, here, just wanting to work yeah. here. But that doesn't happen in the same way to, to, to everywhere now. No, no. So things, you know, it, we do need to encourage people more. We do. And we encourage them by showing how positive <laughs> it can be and how successful you can be, what you can get out of it, how you can travel the world. Just, it opens so many doors. Not, you're going to get your hand deep fried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that makes it sound so, like, it's negative. Especially... Um, you know, the hospitality industry being hit by the energy bills and the mm. recruitment crisis post-COVID. And yeah. now this, are, these sorts of articles do not help. Do no, no, you know, 15, 16-year-old reading that. Um, <laughs> Mummy, I want to be... <laughs> I want to be a chef. Or watching the boiling point and thinking, you yeah. know, oh, I want to be a chef because, because of that. You know, when I started cooking, I'd already wanted to be a chef and I was obsessed. And then boiling point, which was Ramsay's boiling point, came out in 1998. And it did entice me into it even more just because of the energy and the passion, mm, yeah. not the treatment. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and it's got cult following now because of all that. And it's yeah. still a brilliant show and it shows. Yeah. Something, if nobody's ever seen Boiling Point series Ramsey when he mm. opened Hospital Road, um, you know, you should watch it and take it for what it is. Take it for the fact it was... What, Late 90s or something? 98, I yeah. think it was. Take it for that. It was a totally different time, totally different pressures. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't operate like that anymore. You yeah, know, House Kitchen is all a show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in, in very interesting. It's something, you know, th there's a lot to be said about it for its positives and the negatives. But mm. I think if you look back at it and you're in the industry now, even working, whatever level you're working at, <laughs> you rarely see that. Yeah, yeah, you rarely so true. see that. You just made me think, though, that even Ramsey, you think about, yeah, how far he's come and all the differences, but also how he is on TV even now. <laughs> But you see those early shows he's on and obviously Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares and stuff. Have you seen the Next Level Chef yet? The one with Paul Ainsworth? He's just yet, no. He's hugging everyone. <laughs> Honestly, he's like putting, sweetheart, darling, 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 sweetheart. Like he's literally like, just like the sweetest guy. I was like, wow, this yeah. is so different to how it used to be. This is yeah. <laughs> uh, excellent. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess lastly, like the counter to all, to the uh, to that article and all the other stuff is all the good stuff out there. The books of all these great chefs, Chef's Table, all, uh, Stanley Tucci's oh, yeah, show. Stanley, yeah. These are all the things that champion and make us want to get involved and, yeah, exactly. and, and care yeah. about food and care about the industry. There's loads of good stuff out there that promotes it too and hopefully inspires people exactly to yeah. get involved. And I think it's down to you know leaders of this industry to really push the positives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of more positives, tell me a bit more about your lunch down at Saltoria. So you send a few oh, yeah. I just through went, last week. That was yeah, I just thought I'd uh, yeah, send some through and <laughs> sort of, yeah, I treat myself yeah, nice lunch. It looked great. Now, I, um, I'm obviously in London quite a lot now. I generally go down on Thursdays and I'm here the rest of the week. Mm. Um, so I had some meetings about the new restaurant. and So I'm writing a new book, pasta book. Yeah. So Francesco Mazzi, who's the chef of Sartoria, like mm -hmm. Chef Patron, uh, he's doing the foreword for my book. Oh, I don't amazing. know him that well. I've met a few times at events and we know of each other. Yeah, yeah. And we've spoken, but... There's like a mutual respect there. That, so you just sort of like... Take exactly. It from there. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love what he does. I mean, he, you know, he was like the first person to bring... Like, it's in the Stanley Tucci show because he's yes, good friends yeah. with Stanley Tucci. Yeah, that's so cool. his wedding. 
Um, wow. That's our angle to try and get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he like bought Enduya to the country and nobody was really using it there. Really? Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, he talks about it in that show um, with, with Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've always admired his you know, purest Italian cooking and he you know, makes it fine dining, but keeps it real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just messaged him and said, asked him if he was right the fall. And I said, look, I know we're not, like we know each other really well but this isn't about me I don't want you writing about me and pasta mm. just write about pasta you don't yeah. have to mention my name it doesn't, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter and I want it from your point of view uh-huh. someone who gets it in a different way to me and he, he agreed which I you know, was really happy with um, that's lovely so I just thought oh I'd go down I asked him a few months ago before I'd go down next time because I generally go to Benares for mm. my meetings in Mayfair and he's on Savile Row oh, so I went lovely. down Savile Row walked past all the tailor shops I wish I could afford it. <laughs> South There's some yeah. lovely tailor shops yeah, there on yeah. Savile Row. Um, yeah, I just went for lunch and I wanted to give him a gift. So I gave him one of my books just as a as a gift and so he could see the format of it. That's nice. And he's like, sit down and have some lunch. Like, oh, come on then. Oh, so yeah, he's what you want. I said, whatever. Just, just Already walk. took your napkin in. Yeah. <laughs> come on then. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a, a bit of fizz, a bit of Negroni and then I just said, just some pasta, whatever. So he just threw loads of pasta dishes at me, like oh. lobster pasta dish with, um, was it with, with like linguine. Um, he did me a venison ragu, like fettuccine, almost like a classic um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bolognese ragu. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Oh, he did me his Enduya, uh, Baratta, which was just superb. Enduya yeah. on some pizza and even oh. pasta. It's just, just can't go wrong. Best, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, had some glasses of wine. There's a tiramisu? No, it wasn't. It looked so. like a tiramisu. So it comes in parchment. Yeah, well, I, was that like... Because so I couldn't tell what that was, whether it was like pastry or edible, but it was just in parchment paper. And yeah, because so, oh, okay. I can't remember exactly where he's from. It slips my mind in Italy, but it's very... They have a lot of truffles there, and that's how they pack yeah. the truffles in parchment and wrap them up. So we, it was like two ice creams with hazelnuts and some ganache and cocoa oh. all wrapped up in this um, parchment to look like it was a truffle with cocoa on top. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. No, it was just nice. I mean, I, I do like a little lunch on my own. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just chill out, food, wine, <laughs> and yeah, just stumble off to the train. Yeah. I, some people, I think it's their worst nightmare, like sat in a restaurant by themselves. I bloody love it. Yeah, that's great. Quite a, really happy yeah. sat by myself. It, it's great, yeah. <laughs> But I do love it when, because I just go now and I was dressed pretty casual and on Savile Row and there's a lot of business people. It happens all the time when I go to nice restaurants. Yeah. Um, I don't dress down. I just had shoes and jeans on mm. and that, but I clearly wasn't like uh, any business importance. No, sure. I come sat down on my own and then people always look at you and then Francesco sits down <laughs> with me and they're like, oh, what's oh, this? Like, <laughs> always happens. Yeah, <laughs> and then they start just getting bombarded with dishes and like, what don't I get about? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm a banker. It's fucking wild. Classic, mate. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's lovely. You know, I just, it just, just love fucking Italian food and yeah, the more in-depth research I'm doing about it at the moment. I'm yeah, just how's the, more and more into how's it. the pasta book coming? Because it's, yeah. Slowly, yeah, slowly, yeah. yeah. I've got to get it polished by, like, completely finished by June, early mm. June, I think. Um, Is there any things you've sort of discovered that you didn't know and about pasta in any way or about the history before you started looking at this? Or yeah, there... and it's more like we'll have to other go than pasta it. water being useless. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, listen back to the last pod if you, if you get offended by that. <laughs> um, more about. Like when I went to, to Bologna, I've been to Italy before and had all sorts of different pasta, made loads of pasta. 
it's more about reinforcing the things that you you already know just how pure and simple the food is mm. and it's so easy to fuck up if you just use average ingredients yeah it's again and it's ingredient led is isn't noticeable. it yeah. yeah and so reinforced about how proud they are of their food and how it changes with the regions and um i've actually done a bolognese dish for this book because i just thought i kind of can't not yeah and yeah. So, oh, I don't actually have a recipe for bolognese. I've made thousands of bolognese in my life, like for home, at dinner, staff mm. food and things like that. And I've spoke to loads of chefs, and no chef has a recipe. You really? just make it. Yeah, it's yeah. like different variations all the time. You just you just make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Well, if I'm putting a book, Ch- yeah, you're right, a recipe. Though, it, it does change every time almost, like yeah. without even thinking about it, depending on what you've got in or how all the time you've got. You just sort of yeah do it differently every time. So, so I need to write a recipe for this. Like, So I had to like write and work on and make sure I had a properly balanced, correct recipe for bolognese, which felt a bit yeah. a bit backwards. <laughs> but like doing research on that as well, it was, there's no single original recipe of right. like the, the ragu. Uh-huh. There's some that will use tomatoes, there's some that won't. Right, at all, yeah. Some that use beef and veal, some that use beef and pork, veal and pork, there's mm-hmm. a mixture of that. Um, yeah. And there's so many different derivatives. The some milk are, thing we took. The milk, which milk. I really like to do. Yeah. Um, so what I've done for the recipe is... Um, I've I've made it as traditional as I feel fits in line with the traditions, but also what works nostalgically for me as well. Okay. So oh, that's nice. That. So yeah, I think not, make it personal. Exactly. You know. So it's not just me like taking a, a recipe from Bologna and being like, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. do this. Nice. But yeah, I think just understanding that, yes, they're so strict on it, but when you go in there, there's a minefield. Mm. Like look at lasagna, right? Mm. Lasagna... It harks back to England, being created in England, and then Does before it? that, Greece. Really? Oh, well, because it's a bit like a. Um, oh, was it? I keep the. Uh, uh, Moussaka. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is in terms of the That's layer like and, yeah, yeah, and, um, bech, that, that makes sense. Of yeah, bech and bech and stuff. yeah, so I forget without having the information in front of me, but there's there's roots there before it got to Italy, wow. and then like southern Italy. But the lasagna verde is um, from Bologna. So in Bologna, I think they, I think, I may be speaking wrong without my notes here, but I think they were the ones to add the tomato in. Ah. That may be wrong, I can't remember. But they were the ones that also layered it with the spinach as well. So then it become more layered mm-hmm. and they built it into that. So they're extremely proud of it. And there's a lot of dishes in Bologna where they've got a protected recipe. Really? Um, that's in the Chamber of Commerce protected and, you know, you can't change it. And if you do it, that's what you go by. So the wow. one of their more famous dishes from Emilia Romana region specifically Bologna. Some places argue over it, like Modena and Bologna mm. argue over <laughs> the, the, the tortellini brodo, right. which is basically tortellini in stock. So tortellini is the very small yeah. one, mm. like tortelloni is in the that broth. one. But so yeah, Stanley broth. has that in his show at one point, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. I had it a few times in Bologna. Oh. And um, in the filling, there's six ingredients, and that's how you do it. And they don't tend to sell it as tortellini brodo without something else. Uh, so I went into a place in Blonia where I had all these nonas and making these little tortellinis. Amazing. Tiny. And they just, the accuracy was brilliant. Yeah. Everything rolled, all the pasta rolled out by hand, rolling pin. And it was like incredible, millimeter perfect. Oh man. You know, I need to use a machine to get it that, yeah, that exactly. perfect. Like yeah. a classic pasta machine. That's a proper 10,000 hours thing, isn't it? Like yeah. you cannot, there's no shortcut to getting it like it's that not. other than loads of years on the... And watching one of the nonas rolling it on this massive wooden table, she like she'd put the pasta over the edge of the bench and she'd like hold it with her belly, like, and then she'd roll it. So that was 
oh my holding God. them while she pulled it out. She'd give it to the girls and they'd just smash out all these. That's insane. So what was the ingredients? It's, um, I think, port loin. Um, what, uh, what else is there? There's nutmeg. Yeah, nutmeg. There's pancetta. There. There's parmesan. Is there only like a bay leaf or like there a... Is. Um, green herb of some kind mortadella right because that's from that region and there's one more ingredient I can't remember what it is off my head but there's six that yeah. go in the filling and they're really strict on it wow it's that. And then it's I didn't realise broth yeah the broth yeah. that just looks magic it's best of both worlds the brothy element but, and the indulgent pastry oh, gooiness and, and the... then they tend to change it in the winter months into more of a, a white cheesy kind of sauce mm-hmm. but the tradition oh, yeah. is the tortellini brodo which uh, I'm going to do a dish of in the book but I'm sticking to the actual fill-in of the traditional, but I'm just going to like amp up the broth a bit in terms of like the more of a roasted chicken, oh, richer, cool. richer broth, really. Must be so rewarding to do because, like, whilst it's you know it's a book, you've got deadlines, all the sort of admin side. It's a really cool little journey for you to go on, and then hopefully maybe you know stuff you learn. You're always developing as a definitely. chef because of it, you know. Yeah, definitely. And there's a real mix of um, dishes in it as well that. You know, I'm forcing myself to learn a lot of things that I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Some little intricate dishes and the reasons why they do certain dishes. Mm-hmm. And then there's, so we've got all these classics and then some classics that have tweaked a bit. I've got um, some fancier restaurant dishes. Then some dishes I've just sort of come up with mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they pay respect to. Yeah, the like an dishes. homage to them. I'm but... not going crazy off on yeah, a fucking yeah. tangent, doing anything crazy. Yeah. But I did one on TikTok and I had this Italian guy booting off at me. Oh, gone. What was it? Yeah. Um, so it, I was just giving it a practice. So I put it on TikTok and I've refined it now. I gave it to some guests last week and they were fucking blown away. Really? Um, I called it Caesar Malaredus. Uh-huh. So it's a combination of two absolute classic dishes. So the um, Roma Carbonara. Yeah. You know, which is just what, like four or five ingredients. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, the guanciale, yeah, the egg, egg, egg and the, yeah. the pecorino cheese, mm. finished with the pasta water <laughs> to, let, <laughs> to let it down. Um, um, and then, so it's the technique of that, yeah. but using a Caesar salad ingredient. Okay, so using pancetta instead of guanciale, shredded, crisped up, um, malaredis pasta, I just think it works for this dish. And then through the paste, so we've got egg yolks, anchovies. Oh, mate. Um, I use parmesan, you know, very similar to pecorino, Mm. but it, you know, obviously with a Caesar salad. Um, Lemon rind, lemon juice, some garlic. So you're almost making this kind of like Caesar dressing without the oil. Yeah. Um, And then a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, which isn't traditional, but I always add that to a Caesar dressing. It just gives that acidity and that fruitiness. Yeah. So you make that paste, blanch your pasta, you've cooked your. pancetta and then combine it together and build it and thicken it like thicken the egg as you would oh, uh, roma carbonara that sounds so lovely and it is so delicious mm. um but just again homage to those two dishes because that caesar salad is my favorite salad and a carbonara is couldn't be more mm. english but what i thought when i was doing it they are probably for me the two most bastardized dishes in the world yeah yeah the amount of times i've been cream to somewhere with a caesar salad and it's tomatoes and pepper and yeah, tomato yeah. And fucking cucumber and shit <laughs> it's served in some phyllo baskets iceberg lettuce yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then carbonara as well it's just bastardized yeah. all over cream the so just wanted cream. Their, their purity yeah. tied together and it just really worked that's mad so wait a minute what was the guy kicking off on tiktok about because you this is an italian t- oh, yeah i never said it was mate <laughs> i said i'm mixing the mexican caesar salad yeah with carbonara technique and yeah. you know i pay respect to it and 
I don't know. I don't go down for all that cultural appropriation stuff in food. Like food is to be shared. Right? Oh, absolutely. And as long as you're respectful of it, I will do what the fuck I want. Absolutely. And we've got such short mind like memories because it's already got to, well, just like that with the lasagna. So apparently, you know, we don't definitely know, but we think English, maybe Greek, then it ended up in Italy. Someone down the road just think, well, that's Italian. And that because it was a long time ago, we've yeah. not, we've not thought, we've not realized. So in order for it to all grow, it all just mixes all the time yeah around the whole world that's how we get new dishes that's that's how how it moves yeah that happened years ago when people were fighting over lasagna or invaded countries and stuff like that's how yeah yeah and a lot lot of Italians hate that we have spaghetti with bolognese but Mm. I think the reason behind that was I I think again someone can correct me on this I, I have got notes written down on it the Italians were the ones that did it for American soldiers. Ah. So they ooh. did it to please them because they like spaghetti and yeah. then it came from there. Ah, I think. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They did it. And it's <laughs> fucking delicious. And it's nice. So yeah. what's wrong? Yeah. You know, there's no problem. Yeah. Ah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, it's about sharing. Cultures are all about sharing, especially when it comes to food and paying respect and enjoying it. But this guy's saying it's not Italian. I was like, yeah, I know, mate. I never thought he said it was. It's just a lovely dish. What a sad little life, Jane. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's all, all I can say to him. It is ridiculous. Uh, oh, excellent. Um, thanks so much for everyone who got in contact about pasta water as well. Uh, blew my mind, but yeah, pasta water does not thicken. It could help season it or let it or loosen it if you want, if you it need it for it those down. things, but otherwise. Yeah, I was speaking to someone else about it the other day and I was explaining it further and I was like, all right, look at it like this, right? <laughs> say you've got I don't know, it's bolognese with fettuccine and it's thick and it's not, mm. got, not sort of coming together because it's so thick. If you think pasta water thickens it, add that whole pot to it. Yeah, go on. And then it should be really thick. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. exactly, you're <laughs> right. adding a ladle and, the, and a ladle, well, what happens? That's the thing. It's, put, it's our lack of understanding on the science of how much... Because we can see it's cloudy. We know there's starch in there. Yeah. So we assume it's all thick. But you're right. In terms of the, the, the water to starch, starch ratio, it's just miles out. It would have to be like yeah. five millimetres of water e- with all that starch in for it yeah, to be... even if you're cooking your pasta in tiny bit of water still water still you need to yeah. evaporate all of that water to extract the starch and use that starch to thicken yeah. if you want it to thicken well then it, it's like with wine like how when you add a glass of wine to things how long it takes to reduce down to get to thick like the whole thing almost disappears yeah, and yeah. recipes will almost say till it's basically gone yeah till it's just that syrup so that's basically this what we're saying about that but it's even worse yeah obvious when you think about it. <laughs> yeah I said it last week I was like obviously I use pasta water to thicken the thing <laughs> fucking idiots <laughs> fucking idiots uh, yeah thanks for all, you, uh, all of you that have done that uh, what else is going on uh, oh Gary I wanted to give Gary a shout out he's a pastry chef I'm not sure where but his Instagram looks incredible he messaged me after our chat about yogurt flatbreads with a brilliant yogurt oh, yeah. flatbread recipe that he said is like basic enough for me to do in a home kitchen with lack of experience. So <laughs> I'm going to try and do that. Thanks, Gary, for messaging that to us. We really appreciate oh, it. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, really cool. Uh, anything else going on this week, mate? Um, not a lot, really. Just busy back down in London. Yeah. Again. Grassfed getting closer, is it? Are you happy with the momentum? Yeah, we now? are. The, um, I wouldn't say I'm happy with never, the momentum. Never, never no, happy. No, no uh, but <laughs> we are getting somewhere. Things are starting to come together. Like the emails are getting faster, responses better. And yeah, yeah we are getting somewhere let's say cool yeah hopefully PR should be kicking in soon and 
yeah, the contractors hopefully pick up a hammer soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just never ending story until you won't believe it until it's opened. It's one of those, isn't no, it? No, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Nice. Are there, lastly, are there any um this time of year now we're coming into February, you're starting to suddenly like, oh, springs on the horizon, little things, any other ingredients coming into the kitchen? Or is it yeah, still I always murky? get too eager for it. I'm Do like, you? Yeah. yeah. And you remember it's still it's still effectively winter in February, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, Christmas ends, we assume we're coming it, but we're only in the middle of winter in mid-January, aren't we? Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. still got a long time. Yeah, to go. still got you know, still got a good chance of snow. Mm. So the, the biggest change and the most exciting change for January is rhubarb. Like, oh yeah, rhubarb, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from the rhubarb triangle, because mm. I think like one, it's amazing, um, but two. It's just like, wow, I've got some fucking brightness and vibrancy. Yeah, yeah it's not all uh, grey and dark and yeah, beigey. Caramelised <laughs> roots and things, yeah. which are lovely, but you kind of, we just want a bit of vibrancy. Yeah. Um, so that comes in and it, and then you're like, all oh, right, things are changing, but they're not yet. <laughs> the, the most sort of difficult time it, I genuine, generally find is that sort of February crossing into March. Mm. The game is pretty much done. Yeah. Um, there's very little in the way of that. No spring stuff's coming in yet. Yeah. So it's these uh, these those days of that the crossover hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. When you're moving into April and you know if it's been warm and it's early, you got asparagus and then all the greens start coming and your wild garlic and then it's just an onslaught. It's yeah. my favourite change. Yeah. But it does feel like from that Christmas. It's a trudge to get there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. Okay, well, hopefully more news on that next week. Thanks so much everyone for listening. Please send us questions via the nightcap. Um, underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter. We'll do some more of those next week. So do send your questions in. We will answer them. Uh, Till then, have a good one. Catch you later. See you later.